Okay, so I'm not sure if you're here visiting and it's your very first morning, welcome to Connect. I can't remember if I said it or not, but my name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. Um, got a little bit of a cold this morning and <laughs> I had like three people come up to me just at the end of that prayer and bring me bottles of water, glass of water. Someone made me a cup of tea here, but it's like, I drink like proper English tea with milk and sugar. This is like some ginger stuff with no milk. So it's like, I don't know what I would, like I'd probably be sick or drinking this. It's like neither one's a good option, but... Hopefully we'll make it through the morning. So um, I want to start out with a story here this morning about a guy. Uh, this happened back in 2015. He was, uh, uh, lives here in Illinois, just uh, outside of Kankakee, and he was working in his yard. We've got a picture of the guy up here. He was working in his yard when lightning struck about four feet, stuck, struck a tree four feet from where he was standing. So the lightning struck the ground. It went through the ground. It came up through his boots his wife said that she found him, um, he'd been working in the yard, she found him in the driveway on his hands and knees, just kind of not really knowing what had happened. And she started to talk to him, she found out he couldn't move, he couldn't walk, he didn't know where he was. It turns out he suffered some broken ribs, he had cardiac issues, but fortunately, he made a full recovery. But here's the craziest part about this story, okay? This wasn't the first time this gentleman had been struck by lightning, so 18 years prior to that, he'd been working. He worked in a cemetery, and he was out one day, and there was another thunderstorm. you think this guy would have learned by now when this gray clouds get out of here. There would be another thunderstorm, again, struck by lightning twice in his life. I don't want to be struck once. This guy was struck twice by lightning in his life. Now, the thing I love most about this story is the guy's name. His name was Rod Wolf. On his second time of being struck by lightning, his friends decided, you know what? You will no longer be Rod Wolf. You will be Lightning Rod. <laughs> That's now his nickname, yes. And he is Lightning Rod by name and Lightning Rod by nature. So if you are just visiting this morning, we're actually in this series called Messed Up, and we've been talking about um, the story of a guy who lived a long, long time ago, and you can read about him in the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. His name was Joseph. And Joseph's an amazing man. As we read about him, we're discovering that, that kind of metaphorically, he's the guy who just keeps getting struck by lightning again and again and again. It just seems that when this guy seems to be going well, bam, lightning strikes and, and his life takes a turn that he just wasn't really expecting. So this morning, we're going to jump in. We left off last week to a, uh, after another lightning strike. We're going to jump back in this morning. He's, he's kind of having a bad day. But let me just, in case you are visiting, kind of bring you up to how we got to this morning. So uh, Joseph was born to a, a family from, from the get-go. It was a pretty dysfunctional, pretty messed up situation. Turns out that of all his brothers, Joseph was his dad's favorite. And this wasn't just an assumption. I mean, his dad, like, pretty much told everyone. He gave... Joseph, this beautiful, colorful cloak to wear, this cloak that really, because of the way it was designed, really didn't let him work in the farm or in the fields like his brothers. So he got to kind of just chill out, step back. He was very spoiled. Uh, we find out that he used to come back and tell stories about his brothers when they were misbehaving. I mean, he just wasn't really liked by his siblings. And then on top of that, he has these dreams. He has these two dreams, and being the spoiled 17-year-old that he is, instead of keeping them to himself, he goes and tells his family, he's like, guess what? I had these amazing dreams, and I think it was God speaking to me. I think God was speaking to me through these dreams. He was kind of telling me what's going to happen in my life. They were probably like, awesome, cool. How do the dreams go? Well, let me tell you. In the first dream, 
all of you, my brothers, you were bowing down and worshiping me. Yes, isn't that great? Just try that. If you're a teenager here this morning, just try that with your siblings later. See how that goes over. Hey, guess what? I had this dream that one day you're going to bow down to me. Let's, let's practice now, shall we? Just, just start bowing. You know, it's, it's going to happen. Then he has another dream where now his, his siblings and his parents are bowing down to him. Listen to uh, how these dreams were um, accepted, how they were perceived by his family. In Genesis 37, verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Like his brothers hated him. So they concoct this plan, we're going to kill this little brother. He just drives us nuts. We are going to kill him. I mean, this is how much they hated him. Well, fortunately for Joseph, one of them had an idea. He's like, hey, instead of killing him, why don't we sell him to be a slave? Then we get rid of our problem and we make some money. So that's what they did. They sold him into slavery. Uh, he's sent off to Egypt to be a slave. His father is left distraught because he's led to believe that his son is dead. He'll never see him again. But we find out that the hand of God, that the Lord was with Joseph. And even as a slave in Egypt, he starts to rise up through the ranks. And he becomes the most influential person in this household of a man named Potiphar. So it's looking really good. It's looking like, wow, Joseph has landed on his feet. God is with him. It's going to be okay. And then he meets Potiphar's wife. Turns out she's trouble. She's, uh, she, she's got an eye on Joseph and she tries to seduce him. So Joseph says, I can't do this. I can't betray my master. Uh, this wouldn't be right in the eyes of God. So he keeps trying to flee from uh, his master's wife's advances. And then finally, she gets so fed up that she, she snatches his cloak off him one day and presents it to her husband and says, look at this. This is proof right here that your servant, Joseph, the one you like so much, the one that you've given all authority in this household, he tried to seduce me. She makes up a story. She completely lies. She can't get her own way, so she totally throws Joseph under the bus, tells him this story. And Potiphar's, when Potiphar finds out, he is so mad. He's like, Joseph, I trusted you. In fact, to be honest, it's probably a miracle that he didn't kill him because he very easily could have done that. But instead of killing him, he throws Joseph into a prison cell. And that's where we left Joseph last week in a prison cell. I mean, it's just crazy family drama, this, this cooked up story. Everything in his life must just feel messed up. But the truth is, we've all been there, haven't we? We can probably all tell a story like that. I remember the time I got thrown into an Egyptian prison cell. Maybe, maybe it's not an exact story like that. And if it is, I'd love to hear it because I bet that'd be really cool. But, um, but some kind of similar story of like, man, I just things were going well and then this happened and it wasn't even my fault. You know, someone wronged me and, and here I find myself in this, this kind of metaphorical prison cell right now. And how is this fair? Maybe you're there right now, but I wonder, as we look at the life of Joseph, if you responded the way Joseph responded, because that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to take a look at the life of Joseph and see how he did with this, this prison sentence, this crime that he didn't commit. Let's take a look here at what happened in the life of Joseph. But before we jump into the prison cell, let's just, let's just set this up, because I feel like as we've been talking about this, this guy, Joseph, 
I feel like for some of us, we're starting to kind of relate. Maybe some of us are like, you know what? This almost sounds a little bit like my life story. Some of these things have happened to me just the way they happened to Joseph. He's living this great life, wearing a really cool cloak, and bam, thrown into a well. Then he finds himself in this great gig. He's kind of growing now. He's like really important in Potiphar's house, number one slave, most influential family in Egypt. Bam, thrown into prison by a man who he was trying to honor and protect. In fact, with this blow after blow after blow, I actually saw this video online just the other week. And as I was watching it, um, I was like, you know what? This is kind of how Joseph must have felt. Maybe you feel like this sometimes. Check this out. Probably five-year-old Caitlin Miller. Huh, let's hope she can fix Smallsy's appendage. I told that she shouldn't be standing next to. No! Oh! 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 oh. No! There's some man, two players, and one was a lion. Oh! oh. Scores a goal almost every game, and it looks like he's doing a good job here staying outside. Oh! Ah! One time. <laughs> and now... <laughs> Get up and do the same thing all over again. You know, everyone says, don't they, no matter what job you have, that there's days where it's just not much fun, you know, and it's still a job, you know, I don't really enjoy it. I tell you, there is a guy whose job it is to just press that button. To be just like the guy who causes those things. That, and I guarantee you, he never gets tired of his job. That's just the best job in the world. But for those people, I kind of was watching that video. And I was like, that's how it kind of, that's, that video is what Joseph must have felt like. Every time I think things are going okay, bam, I get knocked. And maybe as we've talked about Joseph over the last few weeks, you start to think, you know what? That's kind of how my life's been going. So I'm not here just to draw parallels between your life and Joseph. What I want to do is I want to look at how Joseph responded when these these bams came along, when these lightning strikes seemed to happen time after time. Because I think we can learn something about the life of Joseph. I think we can learn something from him and how he responded. And actually, I think as we look to where Joseph's life will one day end up, it'll help us, give us hope for where God could be leading us. So the first thing I think we can learn this morning from, from Joseph's experience here in this prison cell, is that God is always with you. God is always with you. Let's read this, this verse here together. It says in Genesis 39, verse 19 to 23, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. He was with him in the prison. He showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. There's that verse again. We we heard this last week. The Lord was with him. And you know what I found fascinating as I was preparing for my message this week is I noticed that this verse comes up a couple of times just in this reading here. It says, the Lord was with him. And then later on in the passage in verse 31, it says, the Lord was with him and caused. This, this sentence pops up a few times through Joseph's life. And you know, it always shows up. You read it, 
It always shows up when he was in the lowest places. When he was in the pit, when he was in the prison cell, it says the Lord was with him. It's like reminding Joseph, reminding us that sometimes we're in the darkest spots, when we're in the most trying times of our lives, the Lord is with us. Because we can kind of think the opposite, can't we? When everything's going well, when everything's great, we're like, yeah, there's God. And then things are going badly and we're like, where's God? But the truth is, he's with us during the good times and the bad. And if somewhere along the way you've kind of taken hold of this notion that, that God is absent in those dark times of your life, I want you to just embrace this, this understanding this morning that, that God's presence is not determined by our circumstances. Our circumstances aren't a gauge for whether God's with us or not. I believe God is with us all the time. And in fact, sometimes I think when we're in our darkest moments, he's with us even more. If we'll just look for him in those moments. God's presence is there in the midst of the difficult times, in the prisons of divorce, death, or disease, in the prisons of job loss, broken friendships, maybe a child that's struggling. If you're in a prison right now, don't let the prison of your circumstances cause you to miss the presence of God. He is right with you in the prison cell, just like he was with Joseph. And he wants you to be aware of his presence and to hold on tight to him. Here's the second idea. Not only is the Lord with you, here's what just amazes me at the life of, of Joseph is that you choose your attitude in the prison. You get to choose your attitude in the prison. So the Lord is with you when you go through these difficult times, but you get to choose your attitude. Now think about it. Let's, let's, let's jump back to Joseph for a second here, okay? He's in a prison cell. He's in prison because he was falsely accused of something that he didn't do. I think I know what attitude I would have in that moment. I wouldn't be happy. I'd be kind of mad. I'd be telling God how mad I was. I'd be telling anyone that wants to listen how mad I am. I'm not sure that I'll be worshiping God. I'm not sure that, you know, when the, the guy with the guitar, who I'm sure is present in every, worship, every prison cell, comes around and says, hey, let's start singing. Let's just start praising God here this morning. I'm not sure I would join in. I don't know if I'd be in the mood to sing. Justin, who was here leading us this morning in, in our time of singing, in our time of worship, okay, he, um, he, he has this phrase that he uses, and I love it. He's, 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 I've heard him say it many times. He says, there are two times when you worship God, when you feel like it and when you don't. <laughs> there are two times when you worship God, when you feel like it and when you don't. I don't know about you, but there are some Sundays I'll come in here, and I just, I love singing because I've got a lot to sing about. <laughs> I'm very happy, God's, I feel God's presence, I think things are going well. And there are some days where singing is the last thing on my mind. But I just believe that in those moments when I sing and praise God, despite the circumstances that I find myself in, I just wonder if those are the songs, those are the words, the songs that are true worship to God. Because it's saying, God, there's nothing going on in my life right now that would lead me to want to worship, but you still are worthy of worship and praise. I still believe that you are God, that you're amazing. Just the fact that I have breath in my lungs is a reason to say thank you, God, for giving me life, for what you have given me. So it turns out that, the, you know, that first idea, the Lord is with you, that's important. And when you're going through those prison times, it's important to know that the Lord is with you. But that's not enough, is it? 
Because if that was enough, then it would play out something like this. Imagine uh, you came to me and said, Dave, I've, I've got this great new job. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I just, I only got hired a couple of weeks ago, but it's going really well. That's awesome. Tell me about it. Why is it going so well? Well, it's just this new job, and, you know, I, I don't really show up on time much. I'm always late. And uh, every day at the end of my shift, my register never balances. We're always off money-wise. Uh, the other day, I was backing out of the parking lot, and I reversed into my boss's car. <laughs> we laughed. And, um, you know, it's, I stole a pig. It was just a small pig. But I, um, you're telling me all these things about this job you're doing, okay? And then you say, but guess what? They just keep promoting me. They're giving me more and more responsibility. I'm getting promotion after promotion. I'm not sure I would believe you. I'm not sure there's any boss anywhere that's going to promote someone like that. Even if you said, but Dave, the Lord is with me. I'm terrible at my job, but the Lord is with me, and I just keep getting... It just doesn't happen, does it? It's great that the Lord is with us, but there is a responsibility that we have. And Joseph chose the attitude that he was going to have in his prison cell. Because listen to what happens. Genesis 39, 22. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all of the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Joseph is becoming, if you've seen the movie, the Andy Dufresne of Shawshank Redemption. Okay, he's becoming like this guy who's like the most responsible person in the prison cell. The warden has given him all of this responsibility. So I don't think it's just because the Lord was with him. I mean, think about it. Joseph is in prison for a crime of deception. As far as this warden knows, well, he hasn't read Genesis, okay? He doesn't, that's not being written yet. So as far as he knows, this guy is in here for trying to seduce Potiphar's wife. This isn't the most trustworthy of people. This isn't the guy you put in charge of all the other prisoners. That's like saying to the, the person who comes into the prison, what are you in for? Well, I poisoned my wife. Really? We're going to put you in the kitchen. You're going to be in charge of cooking. So... You don't give him that job, do you? You have him sweeping something. You know, the guy who's the poisoner. You're... But somehow, the warden saw something in Joseph that led him to, to feel, I want to put this guy in a position of trust on authority. And I think it's because even though Joseph was, was accused of a crime he didn't commit, that this 17-year-old spoiled boy had come a long way that God had been working in his life, that his attitude had developed, his character was developing. He was changing. He became the kind of prisoner that the warden would want to put in charge of all of the other prisoners. I think in that moment, Joseph chose to have the right attitude. He remembered that God had delivered him from the pit, and I think he was holding on to the hope that he would deliver him from the prison as well. Sometimes when we go through those difficult times, it's good to look back and remember the uh, difficult time where God delivered us and say, you know, that same God could deliver me from this as well. If it had been me sitting in that prison cell, I'd have been sulking, complaining to everyone, but not Joseph. I think his attitude was good enough that, that soon that gift starts to come through again. He's rising to become the, the leader within this prison system. So when your attitude is right, even a prison cell can be a place to experience God. And not just that, a prison cell can actually even be a place where God can use you to impact others. 
This is the most amazing part, I think, of this chapter of Joseph's life. Not only does he experience the gods with him, not only does he choose to have the right attitude while in his prison cell, God can work through you. God starts to work through Joseph. God works in and through Joseph in this prison cell. Listen to this, chapter 40, verse 1 through 4. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and the chief baker, they offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. So Joseph is joined in his prison cell by these two employees of Pharaoh. We don't know a whole lot about them. We know that one was a cupbearer. So that person's responsibility, he would have been in the palace of Pharaoh. Uh, he would have served Pharaoh his drinks, his wine. But the cupbearer had more than just a, a, a position of serving. He was also the taster of the drinks. Because obviously Pharaoh, high up person, assassination, attempts made on his life, people trying to poison him. So it was the cupbearer's job to drink every drink before Pharaoh did to make sure it hadn't been poisoned. I was thinking about that this week. I wonder if the cupbearer was allowed to go... Oh, I'm just kidding. It's good. <laughs> and if he was, how many times before it just wasn't funny anymore? It's like, I know, I know. <laughs> that was the cupbearer's job, okay, to serve the Pharaoh his wine. The baker, not sure what he did. I think he maybe just baked Pharaoh's cupcakes. But you've got the cupbearer and the baker. And for whatever reason, they find themselves in prison. So while they were there, listen to what happens. Verse 40, chapter 40, verse 5 through 7. While they were in prison... Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. You know, here's another insight, isn't it, into the, the character, the nature of who Joseph is. Joseph is in prison. He's in prison for something he didn't do. And we find himself asking, genuinely concerned for his fellow inmates, hey, what's up? You look sad. What, what's going on? Verse 8, it says, they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. I think it would be me. I'd say, you had bad dreams? That's why you're upset? Have I told you yet how I'm in prison unjustly? Have I told you? You want to be upset? Let me give you a reason to really be upset. That would be me. But Joseph's like, hey, you know, I believe that God, the God I serve, can interpret dreams. Tell me your dreams. Maybe I can help you. You see, I wonder if you know someone this morning who's, who's in a prison cell, going through a difficult time in their lives. And all they do is complain about the prison cell that they're in. Have you ever met someone like that? It's like, it, it always becomes what defines them. Alternatively, I wonder if you know someone this morning who you know is in a, in a prison cell, but always seems to be looking for ways to bless others despite their circumstances. Have you met someone like that who's going through maybe a health situation, a financial situation, uh, whatever it may be, and yet they still choose to help others, choose to bless others? I'm always inspired and amazed by people like that. Who instead of focusing on the negatives in their life, instead of focusing on their, their prison cell moment, they're actually in the midst of their darkness and difficulty, they're making the choice to help others. 
we have a, a wonderful couple in our church, and uh, a few years ago, uh, Case and I, we had to walk through a very difficult time with them. They were pregnant, and um, they found out just a week before their daughter was due to be born. They went in just for a, a regular checkup, and uh, the doctor couldn't find any heartbeat. Discovered that the baby had passed away uh, inside her womb, so they had to deliver a, a, a baby that had passed away. We had a memorial service for them. They're just a wonderful couple, just as they kind of lent into God, and God helped them through that time. Faith was their daughter's name, and she emailed me this week because she told me that, you know, you know, Dave, that through all this, we've, we've had this decision. We're going to choose joy. We're going to choose joy through every situation we go through. And she reminded me, I didn't know this, but October is, um, let me get it right here, National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. That could be a prison that, that families here this morning have experienced the loss of a child or, or something like that. In fact, when she told me that, she said October 15th, last Sunday, was uh, the specific day that, that many parents who have lost a child will remember that, maybe light a candle. And I just want to pause for a second here before I go on and just pray, because I think that's one of those prison cells that some of us could be in that others don't know about. Maybe there's someone here this morning that's, that really is a situation you've walked through. Let me just pray for you this morning. Father, I pray for any family here this morning who's experienced the loss of a child, the loss of an infant. You know, God, that that is one of the toughest things anyone can ever walk through. And God, I just pray, especially during this month, that you would give them peace and comfort, Lord. For some, it may be fresh. For others, it could have happened years ago, but the pain is still just as real today. Let them find you. Let them know that you are always with them, Lord, and experience their peace and their love and their care at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when she told me the story, it reminded me, my, uh, my wife's sister had a, uh, a baby who was born and, and only lived 10 days. His name was Zion Blick. Beautiful little boy, but because of um, some anomalies in him before he was born, um, they knew that he went, when he was born wouldn't be compatible with life. They chose to go through the pregnancy anyway and deliver him, and for 10 days, he lived before he passed away. So at his memorial service, they had a video they showed just of some of the, the pictures and the video that they'd taken just in that short space that he'd been with his family. He had four older brothers. And this video, it just went viral. So they showed it in the service, and they put it online, and then someone shared it, and someone shared it. And before you knew it, it was like, it was, I mean, like tens of millions of views of this video all over the world. Robin Casey's sister will tell me time and time again how she'll get contacts out of the blue from people in the, she has to look it up online. She's never heard of some of these places they're from. They'll say, we saw your video. We're going through exactly the same thing. How did you, and she's able to minister to these people. I'm just amazed by people like Joseph, like Robin, like this couple in our church who, despite their own grief, despite their own prison cells, are still able to reach out and help others and minister to others. It makes such a huge difference in people's lives. I think that's how Joseph inspires us this morning. His example challenges us to remember that no matter what our circumstances, God can work through you. That like Joseph, you may have a platform that no matter where your position, no matter where you are, you now have a position, a platform to maybe share others, to help others. And that's what Joseph does. He offers to hear their dreams. So they each tell him their dreams. The first one, the cupbearer says, in my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. 
The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hands, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hands. Joseph listens intently and he tells the cupbearer, good news. Your dream means that three days from now, Pharaoh is going to restore you to your position as cupbearer again. He's like, yes, great dream. He's running around the prison. He's high-fiving prisoners. He's like, woo-hoo-hoo. I'm amazed. I mean, think about it. Joseph is, he's telling this guy the, the interpretation of the dream, thinking, that's what I want. And yet still his character, his attitude shows through that he's willing to tell the cupbearer the meaning of his dream, even though I bet Joseph deep, deep down was just, that was, that's what he wanted. So the baker gets excited. He's like, all right, can I tell you my dream? Joseph's like, yeah, yeah, what was it? He goes, well, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and they ate them from the basket on my head. And I loved the dream that you just told the, the cupbearer. So I'm super excited. Like, just tell me what my dream means. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three baskets also represent three days. Yes, three days. Great. Just like the cupbearer. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Does anyone else do dreams around here? Is there anybody else who could tell me what my dream is? I mean, at this point, if I'm the baker, I'm like, oh, I liked his dream a lot better. And I must apologize at the moment just to the parents in the room. I realize that as we've kind of been looking at the life of Joseph, it's, it's caused a little bit of uh, tension here in the room if some of your kids are here. So last week we had Potiphar's wife trying to seduce him. Today there's a guy who's about to be impaled on a pole and birds pecking at him. And you're like... Seriously, do you know the kind of conversations we have in my house on a Sunday afternoon, thanks to you? Your kids are like, Mom, Dad, you keep telling me I've got to read the Bible, but I'm not allowed to watch an R-rated movie. Have you read the life of Joseph? <laughs> it's like something Quentin Tarantino would do. I mean, it's, it's awful. <laughs> but listen to what happens. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and he summoned his chief cupbearer and his chief baker to join the officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Both dreams turned out the way Joseph said. He was exactly right. And then lightning strikes Joseph again. Just when Joseph sees this great opportunity to maybe get out of prison, he actually says to the cupbearer, hey, if this dream does come true, if this interpretation is correct and you do find yourself back in Pharaoh's palace, will you tell him about me? Will you tell him that I'm in here unjustly accused of a crime I didn't commit? Will you tell him about these dreams and how I interpreted them? Will you remember me to Pharaoh? He says, yes. If I get out of here, I'll definitely tell him about you. And listen to how chapter 40 ends this morning. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never given him another thought. So there Joseph sits. There's a party in the palace, and he's stuck in prison. So here's the closing challenge I want to send you away with here this morning. 
Maybe you're in a prison situation right now. Maybe you can relate to one that you've been through, or maybe there's, there's something coming. God is always with us. And if we'll choose to have the right attitude, he can actually work through us in the midst of our prisons. I mean, think about it. As I read Joseph's story, it's just one messed up thing after another. He's thrown in a pit. He's sold as a slave. He's falsely accused of a crime. He's thrown into prison. He's forgotten. Yet through all of this, Joseph perseveres. I think what empowered Joseph to persevere through all this is he made a decision to honor God in all situations. Joseph chose to honor God in all situations. Can I challenge you with that thought this morning? Make honoring God your goal. Make honoring God your goal. Centuries later, hundreds of years later, a guy by the name of James, who was the brother of Jesus, he wrote these words in James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's purpose in our prisons. Let perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Did you know we can honor God even when we're struggling financially? We can honor God even when our health is failing. We can honor God even when we have a broken heart. No matter what messed up thing you might be walking through this morning, there's always opportunity to honor God. Let's pray. Father, I think every one of us in our heart of hearts this morning, especially those of us this morning that would, would say we are followers of Jesus. I know there are some here, Lord, who maybe they're still not sure and they're still trying to figure this out. I pray, Lord, that they would see that you are pursuing them just the same way that you pursued Joseph. That even though the cupbearer and the baker had no knowledge of you, you were still at work in their lives. And I believe you're at work in the lives of people today who may not even have acknowledged your presence, but you're still at work in their lives. But for those of us who do follow you, for those of you, us who call you our Lord and Savior, I think we know that honoring you is something that we want to do. But the truth is, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where honoring you is the last thing we want to do. But for the cupbearer and the baker, because of Joseph's attitude, because of Joseph's um, acknowledgement that you are always with him, you were able to use Joseph to speak into their lives. Who knows, Lord, that maybe there's someone in our life right now that despite the fact that we're in the prison cell, you could use you could use us to impact them. Help us to be aware, Lord, that even in our prison cells, we can be used to, to affect others. And help us to make that choice to honor you no matter what situation we find ourselves in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.